Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. Sometime in the third summer of what would eventually be known as the War of 1812, Captain Sir Peter Parker, 28 years old and said to be the handsomest man in the British Navy, accompanied Admiral George Coburn on a raid that was intended to chastise Americans living along the Chesapeake. Parker was a baronet and the son and grandson of British admirals. He'd gone to sea at the age of eight. Coburn was older, tougher, and without question the most hated man on the bay. Wherever he went, destruction followed. The least suspicion about the sentiments of a household or the whereabouts of the men in a family meant that house would be burned to the ground. He now intended to make Parker his protege in inflicting the harsh lessons of war. Like any good Royal Navy officer, Parker was a rigid disciplinarian and fearless to the point of being reckless. But in matters less military, his was a slightly gentler sensibility. He'd been educated in the manners and tastes of the English aristocracy and was close friends with his first cousin, the poet Lord Byron. Perhaps that's why Coburn thought it necessary that Parker be tutored in the finer points of making war on civilians. On this night, Coburn, Parker, and their raiding party rode toward a beach side house on the eastern shore. Upon entering it, they found three women having tea. As the raiders burst into their parlor, the women shrieked and huddled together. Coburn looked around, determined that their husbands and brothers were serving with the Eastern Shore militia, and gave them ten minutes to gather their valuables. The women pleaded. One, a pretty girl of sixteen, dropped to the floor and threw her arms about Parker's knees, begging for mercy. Parker, it said, looked at Coburn, his eyes moist. Coburn merely opened his watch and carefully placed it on the table. When ten minutes had passed, he ushered the women out of the house and ordered his marines to set it afire. Parker learned the lesson well. When Coburn left to join Admiral Sir Alexander Cochrane and General Robert Ross on their expedition to capture Washington, Parker remained in the upper bay creating havoc with his powerful frigate, the Menelaus. He cruised the Patapsco to within sight of Fort McHenry, then crossed the bay to Kent County and commenced raiding. Having routed American militia at Bladensburg and burned Washington, Cochrane sailed back to the bay and sent word to Parker to rejoin them. But Parker, unlike his comrades, had not seen any real action. He's supposed to have replied, I must first have a frolic with the Yankees. On the sultry night of August 30th, 1814, after a fine dinner with his officers and a bit of merry drinking, he and 200 men lowered away the boats and set off to find a band of militia reportedly camped at Georgetown Crossroads, near Chestertown. Those militiamen happened to be commanded by Colonel Philip Reed, a tough veteran of the Revolution who had fought under General Mad Anthony Wayne. Reed had learned of Parker's plans and positioned his men in a field of standing corn just where the British would emerge from surrounding woods. Reed primed his guns and quietly waited. Sometime after midnight, Parker and his sweating men trudged out from beneath the trees into the brilliant moonlight. Suddenly, orange flashes sparkled in the cornfield. Parker ordered a charge, but a bullet severed the artery in his thigh, the same wound that had killed his illustrious grandfather. He lived just long enough to realize that this night would be no frolic. After a fight of about an hour, Parker's men carried him the five miles back to their boats. Aboard the Menelaus, his body was placed in a cask of rum for transport to England. At his funeral, in St. Margaret's Church, next to Westminster Abbey, Lord Byron read an especially touching eulogy. There is a tear for all that die, it began, a mourner over the humblest grave. But nations swell the funeral cry and triumph weeps above the brave. And so in England, months after his death, another spoiled young aristocrat was laid to rest 
amidst flowers, gentle tears, and all the trappings of martial glory. Back in Kent County, the men whose houses he'd burned and families he'd terrorized remembered him somewhat differently as they went about rebuilding their lives.